Welcome to the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we get you up to speed with what's going on so you can make sound decisions when it comes to your financial life. Now, let's get started on today's topic. G'day, Will here. This is the first post I've done since March 2020, and it's fair enough to say plenty has gone down in that time. The reason I'm posting now is that I've just come across the podcast I did back then, and I listened to all of the previous 13 or 14 episodes. It was pretty difficult because the earlier ones were really poor quality. There was a lot of cringeworthy moments going on there. Fortunately, I was drinking, so it dulled the cringing for a little bit. What I wanted to say was the last three episodes, I'd really nailed a number of topics. So I decided I'm going to start this back up again. I plan for it to be less scripted than before. For me, it's a good practice to take some of these issues, which can be quite often complicated, and boil them down into simple principles and concepts. There'll be more swearing, there'll be less production value, but I think it's going to be more genuine and... Um, that's all it's about. For you, if you're listening, I hope it just makes you ask more questions about finances and for you to understand that it's your responsibility to take care of your financial future. Today, I'm going to talk about the common themes I was discussing in 2020 and also talk about some of the predictions I made and how things have transpired since then. The first common theme I wanted to talk about is the fact that we've been babied. I basically talk about that all the time. We are tricked into thinking that we're going to get taken care of. We think that we're going to have enough super when we retire, um, or at least we're tricked into not thinking about it. As a finance broker for the last 15 years, I can tell you not that many people have enough money to retire with. We get tricked into a number of other things. We get tricked into thinking we'll be able to pay our home loans off in plenty of time to fund our retirement. That's just not the case. I think we've seen the last kind of 10 years, things are getting to a point where it's just out of control. That brings me on to the next point, which is that people are getting angry. I talked about this in 2020, at the start of 2020, when the bushfires raged throughout New South Wales and Victoria. That was when ScoMo went um, on holiday to Hawaii and everyone cracked it um, and got really angry. What a lot of people don't actually realise is that when he went on holidays, the fires weren't massive at that stage. They were big, but by Australian standards, they weren't that big. It was a normal occurrence. But what I picked up on and what I was mentioning is that people are just upset. There's an underlying anger going on that people can't really articulate. And we've seen that continue in the protests in Melbourne. People are just angry. I remember seeing seeing a Channel 7 reporter where someone in the protests ran up behind them and smashed them over the head with, with a bottle or something like that. And the one thing, the one theme that continues is that people aren't angry because of the things that occur. They're angry for a bigger reason. My belief is that they're angry because the social contract which our governments hold with the people, has been broken. Let me explain. In every civilization in any time, there is an unsaid contract between the rulers and the people who are ruled. Our social contract goes something like, 
we'll give up some of our freedoms and in return, you can protect us. More specifically in Australia, the contract is that we will work hard, we will get taxed, we will be able to buy a home, pay it off, and then be able to fund our retirement. And if we can't fund our retirement, we'll have a pension. And obviously everyone knows what's happened to pensions the last few years. It's basically poverty. So I think people are getting angry because they're realizing that they're just not getting the deal. They're they're understanding that what their expectations were are not playing out. And those expectations have actually not really been in place for 10 or 15 years. And when I put myself in the shoes of those people, I can understand why they're angry. You look at anyone under 40. Every day, the world's going to end. We've got a climate problem. You'll never be able to afford a house. That would make me angry. If I had no financial hope for my future, that would make me incredibly angry. Unfortunately, this is a reality. We're getting divided into two classes, rich and poor. And this is another common theme that I was touching on last time. And that's just exacerbated out of control the last two years. I think for things to change, the global economy is going to need to reorganize itself. I think things are going to get worse. I've been on the record to basically everyone who talks about the pandemic and how things are getting improving and we're coming out of it. I basically say strap yourselves in because this decade is going to be crazy. The reason it's going to be crazy is because things are not going to get better economically. They're going to get worse until things break. And then what will happen is all of the world's governments will come together, meet somewhere in the middle and reorganize the way our financial system works. But until then, the rich and the poor are going to be divided even worse. My common theme there is you've got to take responsibility and invest your time. Invest your time into understanding the decisions that you need to make. Putting your head in the sand is making a decision. It's not ignoring something. The decision's getting worse. Risk doesn't go away. It just compounds the more you kick the can down the road. Working off that, I've been playing with another concept in my mind, and that is when calamity ensues, The world needs to reorganise how they deal with money. I believe at that time the world will get divided into makers and takers. At the moment, it's a good little exercise to look at the Australian economy or just what's around you in everyday life and you'll look at the makers and the takers. Well, who are the makers? The makers are the people that are adding value to our society. That's what business is. That's what capitalism is. People providing a good or a service and they should be rewarded. Well, I don't know if you've looked around lately, but the small businesses haven't been rewarded. Sure, you could argue they got given a heap of money in stimulus, but here's the thing. The people who did nothing also got a lot of rewards. So that does not incentivize anyone to work. There's a lot of business owners that just said, well, why would I want to work when I can do nothing? I could be a taker and take some stimulus. It's a great exercise because you look around and you think, geez, who's making all the money? Because what, because what happens is, is that a certain amount of people need to make money for all the takers to actually get funded. The only way they're getting funded now is because the government prints more money than what they have. That cannot go on forever. 
My point is that we're going to get divided up into makers or takers. Makers will get rewarded, takers won't get anything. The reason takers won't get anything is because they're getting given a lot right now. And if you had to say, for example, halve the amount of funding for the takers, they're going to be crying out poor. Unfortunately, a lot of those people could take things into their own control. I get that a lot of people can't, and that's why we have welfare. But a lot of them are just not taking responsibility for their own actions. The other common theme was economic Armageddon preachers. There are two main ones that have been going probably for the last 20 years, and they are namely Steve Keen and Harry Dent. And I noticed that um, on social media and Facebook and stuff, for example, I'm a part of a few property groups in Facebook. Not that I'm you know, a manager or anything, I'm just in the group and I can see what people are commenting on. And anytime you see someone like this, Martin North is a great one, um, who I've been critical of in the past. Every time you see someone like this talk down the market, you'll get all these people saying, oh, those guys are full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. That is not quite true. These guys are famous. These guys are getting lots of publicity because some of what they say has truth to it. It's just they can't pick the timings of when things are going to happen. And that's not easy. Like the best of investors can't pick timing. The point I want to make is that we should not discount the detractors because in The Boy Who Cried Wolf, eventually there was a wolf. Now, the other dot point I've got here is you need to take responsibility for your own future. I've I don't know. I've probably said that two or three times already, so I'm not going to go into that anymore. Again, I firmly believe this decade is just going to get crazier and crazier. You should be in control of your financial situation you need to go out, ask better questions of yourself, figure out shit and make decisions based on that. Not doing anything is a decision. I want to talk about some of the predictions I had, which I published on February the 6th, which is still there if you want to go back and look at it. I was pretty chuffed and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this back up again, because I pretty much nailed it. There was a few things that I got wrong, but all the common themes were bang on target. And for pretty much 24 months later, that's that's pretty good considering, you know, we've gone through a whole epidemic. The first one I predicted was a 2020 stocks crash. In an earlier episode in September, I actually said I've moved all my super out of the most riskiest investment which is generally what you should be, what the financial planners tell you to do. Um, if you're young, um, I'm under 40, that's young, don't laugh. But that's, that's generally what we get told to do. I moved my super into the least riskiest fund because I thought stocks were going to crash. Now, admittedly, stocks did crash because the pandemic came. But if you go and listen to all of the podcasts. I have mentioned previously that these sorts of things come up in our history. People think, oh, the COVID crashed the market. But no, what happens is the economy is just so bloody weak that something happened and then the market crashed because the economy was weak. The, the economy was already going to tank. You know, why would I put my super on the line? I used the example last time of the GFC in the dot, uh, not the GFC, the dot-com bubble. And what happened in the dot-com bubble was 
terrorists flew planes into the World Trade Center building. Then all of a sudden the markets crashed and it took a lot to recover. But that wasn't the reason. It's just things transpire in history and they line up in, co in coincidence. I believe that the 2020 stocks were already going to crash. I also said that once the 2020 stocks crash and the wreckage is cleared away, the property market would boom. What I didn't get quite right, which if you read between the lines, you'll kind of understand is that the wreckage didn't actually get cleared away, which is a really scary kind of concept, uh, which hopefully in the coming months, you'll be able to understand why it's scary. But the wreckage didn't get cleared away. The government just reduced the interest rates to zero, which wasn't enough stimulus for the economy. So what they did was they just printed a shit ton of money. I think in America, they, they printed like 30% of their money supply in two years. So obviously the property market is going to boom. If you print 30% more money, then a basic layman way of looking at things is that stuff is going to go up in value by 30%. And what happened? Property went up by about 20 to 30%. It's no surprises. It didn't just happen here in Australia. It happened everywhere in the world because everywhere in the world printed shit tons of money. People just don't get it. I was actually pulling my hair out because I had first home buyers pulling out of the market because of all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the media. All the big four banks were saying 10 to 20% drops in the property market I was screaming out oh I wasn't really screaming but I was telling people I don't think it's going to drop I think it's actually going to go up because they're printing more money and um, lo and behold look at our property prices now the prediction I didn't get 100% right was Trump record spending we were coming into that election I think it was late January and I thought here we go Trump's just going to spend so much money, he's going to buy the votes. I seriously thought that was going to happen, and it didn't. Maybe he just thought giving corporations tax cuts and playing a trade war with China was going to get all the votes. Anyway, he didn't get into power. Biden got into power. But what happened was he printed a shit ton of money. We had the COVID thing, and it was a perfect time for Biden. Like, he just got voted in. There was a disaster. Let's print a heap of cash. It'll make me look good. The other prediction I had was the Aussie Reserve Bank would do QE. So basically what QE is, is that the central bank, which is basically the bank of last resort, if any of our major banks go bankrupt, the central bank should come in and rescue them. What our central bank started doing was buying bonds, which is government debt, and what that allows the government to do is print more money. It is very hard to understand. One of the things I one of the things that I had to understand in my journey of learning money was that some things don't make sense. I had this belief that there had to be a way of things for working, but sometimes things just work. It's like if you can imagine the traffic in an Asian city. There's no actual system, but it works. That's the way our money system works. And when you realize that they're all just making it up, things become a lot easier to understand. Anywho, that's me for today. There's no business 
money-making activity behind this podcast. I just do it to better my own knowledge and to help people put the broader economic world in context. If you want to help me out, I run a mortgage broking business. Any business from yourself or your friends and family that you send my way would be greatly treasured. You can find me if you search Will Bell Mortgage Broker anywhere, Google, Facebook, Instagram. Please hit me up, ask any questions because I'll address them and, and chat about them here if you find me. Alrighty, thanks again. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.